Y'all, we, uh, last week Alberto preached on Wednesday night, and so a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the, the power of Elijah. You know, the Bible talks about the spirit of Elijah. More than one time it mentions, mentions the spirit of Elijah. Actually, it's the spirit of God that was upon Elijah that it's not his spirit. His spirit's just the spirit of a man. But when the Bible talks about the spirit and the power of Elijah, it's talking about the power of the Holy Ghost upon his life. And he, he found strength, just like we do, to serve the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit. It, it it's, just cannot be emphasized enough. The Bible says of Jesus that he, being full of the, of the Holy Ghost, returned in the power of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. This is our Lord and Savior Jesus, right? After the 40-day fast in the wilderness where he was tempted, it says he returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and, and it says that he was filled with the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God was upon him, okay, mightily upon him. And we see this repeated. We see it with the, uh, the, the apostles in the upper room that they were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. We see it with the Samaritans. You know how the Lord says that uh, you'll receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. This is right before he departed and ascended to the right hand of the Father where he is today. He left some parting instructions for his, the 120 and the, the disciples that were gathered there to tarry in the upper room, to tarry until they were endued with power from on high. And on the day of, Pen, on the day of Pentecost, they were filled. So, and then the Samaritan believers were filled, uh, but only after, Peter and, after they were saved and Peter and John laid their hands on them. The Ephesian uh, Disciples at Ephesus, after Paul led them to the Lord, he laid his hands on them and prayed for them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the Bible says in Acts chapter 239, the promise, he's speaking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, specifically, the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. You know what that group would be? We see them in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. Uh, he says, to you, to you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That would be us. That would be anybody and everybody else not listed in those other groups. Praise God. That promise is for us. Amen. It's a promise to receive the fullness of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost, in His fullness, equips us for what God's called us to do. We cannot minimize the, the necessity and the blessing, the need we have for the Holy Spirit. And the blessing it is, every believer has the Holy Spirit indwelling them. But the fullness of the Holy Spirit that is spoken of in the book of Acts, that promise that is for us, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Well, He's called us, amen? He's called us and we're in Christ. But we need the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit for life, just for daily living. If you haven't realized it yet, we're, we're Christians and we're in the world, as Jesus said, but not of the world. This world around us is not patting you on the back and saying, good job, I'm glad you're a Christian. The church will do that, the true church, the Lord will do that, the Holy Spirit will do that. But nothing in and of this world is going to commend you and encourage you and build you up to live that life for God. We're standing for the Lord. And like I always use that as a description, it's we're like the fish swimming upstream. 
the salmon that swim upstream to lay their eggs. And all day long, we've got this current. And nobody's going along with us other than those that are redeemed of the Lord. And so it's not easy, but the Holy Spirit makes it possible. Not only possible, but a victorious life. We need the fullness of the Holy Spirit for life, just for living it. And to, to keep our eyes upon Jesus in that sense, and then also for ministry, whatever he calls us to do, whatever he calls us to do, amen? There's certain conditions, and we're going to talk about this tonight, and tying this in with Elijah, that is the spirit and the power of Elijah. How did he do what he did? Well, he did it by faith, and we've talked about his faith, and we will some more. He also did it uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't call down fire from heaven without something of the Lord doing that and the Lord bringing that about. You can't have that courage and boldness to stand in the face of the king who's looking to kill you and say, it's not going to rain again, and then just turn your back and walk off. It's not going to rain again, but according to my word, and walk away. This is the boldness that the Lord gives for life and for ministry. It's not a different Holy Spirit. It might be different in the sense of, of how he was upon us and how the New Testament saints as opposed to Old, Old Testament saints, but it's the same Spirit. And we're going to look at some conditions. There are three conditions that we're going to talk about. I don't know if we'll get to all of them tonight. How can I be filled? At, first, you've got to be saved, okay? We're not even mentioning that as a condition. You must be born again. Jesus said in John, whom the world cannot receive, speaking about the Holy Ghost. After I go, I'm going to send him the comforter whom the world cannot receive, because it knoweth him not, neither seeth him. But you know him, he said. He's with us. Now he's in us, and then there's this baptism in the Holy Spirit. You have to be saved. You have to be born again. It's not enough to go to church. It's not enough to call yourself a Christian. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. That's condition number one. We'll get to the next one here tonight that we're going to talk about. You have to be empty. I know that sounds very simple. I know you've heard it before, but God cannot fill us if we're already filled. And so... We have to be emptied. It took 10 days for the, those in the upper room evidently to be emptied before the Lord could fill them. 10 days. They were in the upper room tarrying and praying and seeking the Lord. They were seeking Him for one thing, one thing, and that was the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Ghost because the Lord had promised. They weren't just asking, hoping something like this would happen. They had received a promise, the promise of the Father that you are going to be receive this power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And it took this time for them to be emptied. Even though they spent three years, the disciples, walking with the Lord, they had to have this emptying process before. And I think that's significant to think about. Even people that were close to the Lord, they were saved. If they'd have died, they'd have gone to heaven. They had put their trust in the Lord alone. And I, and I believe the Holy Spirit indwelt them. I believe they were born again. Not just saved in the sense of an Old Testament saint, but I believe they were born again. They had to be emptied. <clears throat> the Lord saw it as necessary before they were filled, amen, before the day of Pentecost. Elijah, and we don't have a lot of details about this, but evidently there was an emptying taking place in his life before Mount Carmel. You know, when, when we speak about Mark, Mount Carmel, what we're talking about in Elijah's life, there was the preliminaries that we're talking about. Going to face Ahab 
and telling him there wouldn't be rain for three and a half years, but according to his word. Then going to the brook uh, Cherith, where the, the ravens would feed him, and the water from the brook would sustain him. Then it dried up. This is part of the emptying process for his life. Then he goes to Zarephath, where a widow woman sustains him. And remember, it was a 100-mile journey by foot to get there. All of that is, it seems like a weakening, like you're going downward, you know. The brook dries up. Now what am I going to do? He's walking. The Lord showed him what to do. But it's all an emptying process. And you know how long it was? Evidently, it took three and a half years. Now, I'm not saying this is gospel. The, God, the Bible doesn't tell us spiritually necessarily what was going on in Elijah's life. And I know God was working on people and Ahab and all kinds of people in Israel, but I believe he was working in his man Elijah as well. And I believe there was an emptying him to get him to the place where he would stand before 850 wicked idolatrous prophets of Baal. And the whole nation of Israel was gathered and the king was there. He had to be emptied before he could be filled. When we speak of Mount Carmel, that's what we're talking about where he challenges the prophets of Baal, and the fire comes down from heaven because God did so. And it was for the glory of God. That's the exciting part that we have to look forward to in this study. But we have to be emptied. What do we have to be emptied of? We have to be emptied, number one, I would say, of self. Self and all of its forms. Remember our whole study on the cross, the cross and the life of the believer, right? The crucified life. How can it be life that's crucified? Well, it's just what it says. It's only possible in Christ. The old man dies. The old Randy dies. The old person dies. And Christ lives in and through us. And so we have to be emptied of self. There's a self-sufficiency that we have in life. We just can feel like I can handle this. I can handle this. And there's a self uh, dependence that we have, and there's a selfishness that we have, and a lot of things that just revolve around self, and the Lord has the emptiest of that, and He can do it, okay? He's the only one that can do it, but He can do it. That has to be done before we're filled. So a lot of people say they want to be used by God greatly. I pray you do. I don't want to discourage you from wanting to be used greatly by God, but are you and I, are we willing to pay the price? Because there's a price that comes with it. There's a price. We talked a little bit Sunday morning uh, in, in Sunday school and also in the sermon just about that vessel of honor. It seems to be a thought and a little phrase that Paul talks about that's on in our church a lot lately, being about a vessel of honor. Are we prepared to be that vessel of honor? That Are we prepared and willing to pay the price for God to empty us, to empty us, to get all the dregs out, get everything out? so that he can fill us and use us? Are we prepared to be emptied of anything that would be contrary to the will of God? God says this, his word says this, the Holy Spirit says this, but I want, I want some of that, but I want some of what I want too. He says, I've got to empty you of that. Are we willing for the Lord to empty us out? Because we have to be emptied before we're filled. And, and I think a lot of times people, if we're honest, and that's good to be honest, amen, we need to be honest with the Lord. A lot of times we, we are not willing for the Lord to empty us. We got things that we're hanging on to, and God will sit back, and he'll say, well, you're not going to be used in that way you desire to be used. I still love you. You're still my child. 
but you're not going to be filled until you're empty. You're not going to be used by me until the Holy Ghost fills you. Because the Holy Ghost is going to glorify me. Amen? And you're going to glorify yourself. That's what he's, he's saying. We have to be emptied. We need to be emptied so that a river of life that the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as a living water and a river of life, that that life can flow into us and fill us. We need to be emptied. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 7. Not only does the Holy Spirit flow into us, the Holy Spirit, as we're used by God, flows back out of us and glorifies Christ through our lives. Look at John chapter 7. I know that you've heard this passage before, but it's, it's just wonderful to me speaking about this. It's a promise from the Lord, another of many promises in the Bible about the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. John seven thirty seven. Jesus stood up. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. At this time, he still ha Jesus is still having his earthly ministry. He hadn't gone to the cross yet. He hadn't gone to the garden and into the cross and, and uh, crucified and buried in a, in a tomb and risen the third day and ascended to the Father. That hadn't happened yet. It was, it was going to happen soon. But he said, this, this is a very clear to me, this promise right here. Rivers of living water. What is that talking about, Jesus? This spake he of the Spirit. That the believers, those that believe on Christ, would or should receive at some point in the future. After, as, as of then, he was not given in his fullness, but he would be when Christ was glorified and Christ was glorified. Amen. And he poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost, and he's poured it out subsequently. And, and so we seek, we seek the Lord for this baptism and this fullness as a believer. If you're not a believer, we need to first seek to be born again. Just give our lives to Christ. And right on the heels of that, it doesn't have to take long. We see some examples in the Bible where people like Corn in Cornelius' house, when Peter brought the gospel, they were saved. And all his servants and family members that were sitting around packed in the house, listening to Peter preach, they were saved and the Holy Ghost fell upon them. You know, it can happen very quickly. And so there's a scripture in Malachi that says, The Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Now, I believe that spoke of his first coming, coming into the temple, and he was, you know, dedicated on the eighth day and so forth, and the prophecies were given about him. But also, we are, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit if we're saved. And he's going to come suddenly. He's going to fill his temple. I want you to look at another passage here. This is interesting, too, about emptying. Look at 2 Kings chapter 3. Now, this is, this is going to be... Uh, course, after what we're reading about Elijah in 1 Kings, this is Elisha. He's called on to, uh, by Jehoshaphat to give uh, some godly counsel. 2 Kings 3, verses 16 and 17. So the Moabites are coming against Israel, and they're just uh, multitudes of them that are going to want to attack Israel and take the land. Ahab was scared. 
and they, they, they call, Jehoshaphat says, give me a prophet, a real prophet. He was, he was the king of Judah at the time. But anyway, 2 Kings 3, 16 and 17. So here's the prophecy that Elisha gives. And he said, thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. So there's a real valley there. Make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, you shall not see wind, neither shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water that ye may drink, both ye and your cattle and your beast. He, what was he telling him? He's telling him you got to get it prepared. I'm going to send the water. I'm going to send, I'm going to fill these ditches with water, but you got to make the ditches. And so I think there's things in our life that the Lord would say, we need to do some plowing. We need to do some, some emptying. We need to get some things prepared for the Lord to fill us. We need to be emptied of some things before the Lord can fill us. Maybe my time's so full that I don't have time for the Lord. We just, there's things in our life that have crowded out Jesus. He's, he said we've got to empty these things. He's good. He cares for us. He's going to take care of us. He'll help us to get done. I always say it. If, if we can't get done in a 24-hour day what we wanted to, then there must, and we really were honestly, sincerely trying our best, then there must have been something in that day that wasn't God's will for me to get done. I need to get on his agenda. And so we, there's things that we have to be emptied of so that he can fill us, okay? And so we need to get our wills lined up with his will. We need to get emptied of ourselves. And remember the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he glorifies Christ. I can't emphasize that enough. Jesus said, when he comes, he will speak of me. He will not speak of himself. The Holy Spirit does not come around and in his fullness and just start speaking about the Holy Spirit all the time. The Holy Spirit is, among other things, is the Spirit of Christ. And he testifies of Christ. Jesus says he will take what's mine and show it to you, and he shall glorify me. Whatever is exalting Jesus sincerely and genuinely and biblically on the earth, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we, we try to do it, but it's really the Spirit of God in us and through us that truly magnifies and glorifies the Lord. So what are some of the things that we notice when we are when we receive, we're empty now and the Lord fills us. Some of the things that we notice right away, what do the disciples notice or the apostles? They notice a boldness, right? I always think of Peter to me as the prime example. What did, he do the, what did Peter do the night that Jesus was arrested? The Lord told him he would do it, right? He denied him three times. Big, strong, blue-collar worker, fisherman, Peter, denied the Lord. In the shadows, in the dark, to a lady, to uh, three people, he denied the Lord that night. He was wrong. He knew he was wrong. He didn't want to deny the Lord, I'm sure. He was disgusted with himself. He went out and wept bitterly, the Bible says. And yet, what to will is to present, but, you know, how to do it. How to do it. Well, the how to do it is the Holy Spirit. And so the, the fullness. And so on the day of Pentecost, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues, and Peter, that same Peter that had hidden the shadows and denied the Lord, who died for him, uh, that same Peter, now filled with the Holy Ghost, preaches and says, we're not drunk as you suppose. This is that prophecy and that promise of Joel. You took, you with wicked hands took Jesus, whom the Lord gave to be the Savior, and you crucified him. Let it be known sure that God has made that same Christ, you know, that same Jesus, both Lord and Christ. 
And they're crying out, what must we do? And he says, repent and believe. Same person, but not really the same person in the sense the Holy Spirit is glorifying Christ through his life. There's a boldness that comes. Okay, a boldness that comes. What else do we notice when we're filled with the Holy Spirit? We're going to be sensitive to sin, more sensitive to sin. Every Christian is sensitive to sin. We're going to be more sensitive to sin. We're going to be more tender in our hearts and in our conscience. We're going to have a greater love for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to uh, have a greater love for the truth. We're going to have a greater love for his word. We're going to have a greater love for souls. You can probably testify to these things. I can certainly testify. When I sat with my mother-in-law, uh, how many years ago? 36 years ago, and, and prayed for and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and instantly, instantly noticed a lot of these things. Love for souls, love for His Word, an understanding for His Word. It was a living Word to me all of a sudden. I always believed it. It was always the Bible, but it became alive to me. The Lord does that, and it glorifies Christ. Uh, we have to reckon upon this how. We reckon upon the baptism of the Holy Spirit, our asking the Lord, and our receiving. We, we reckon upon it by faith. That's very important. They're not formulas. It's not, well, if I can get so-and-so to pray for me, if I can get to that side of the altar or whatever. We reckon upon the baptism of the Holy Spirit by faith. The Bible promises, the Lord promises. Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children that ask, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost to them that ask? So I accept it like a little child. That promise is for me, and my Father is going to do it. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. Just like you said, Lord... I believe your gospel. I know I'm a sinner. I give my life to you. And you really mean that? You don't have to wonder, okay, I've done all that. I wonder if the Lord's going to save me now. He's going to save you. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, period. There's no, you can't add to that. You can't, well, well you got to have this condition met and this, that. And, and we try to do so much. Same for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need to be empty vessels. If we're filled, filled with self, come to the Lord. Empty me, God, because I'm so longing to be filled. He'll, he'll show you how to do it. He'll do it. There was a little girl, little child that was asked her age. One of the neighbors said, how, how old are you, little, little girl? And she says, I don't feel like seven. I feel like six. But my mother says I'm seven. So I must be seven. She just reckoned it. She took her mother's word, I feel, I feel like six, but mom says I'm seven. And so I guess I'm seven. I'm seven. And because mom told her that was enough. And it's, it's like reckoning by faith the promises of the Lord. He said he will fill us with this spirit if we ask. If we're believers in Christ and we're saved, and if we're asking him by faith, we don't have to twist his arm and beg him to do something that he's not willing to do. He is more willing to fill you than you are to be filled. Pray for a simple childlike faith. Maybe in the process of praying, he'll show you, hey, you got this sin in your life you need to repent of. Maybe in the process of praying, he'll say, you're so filled with yourself right here. I need to empty you of that. And you, you, that's when I need to say and you need to say, yes, Lord. Do, do just what you said. Do just what you said. Because I'm willing to pay the price 
to be filled with your spirit, to be a vessel of honor, okay? So don't argue with the Lord, and then we just, by faith, we reckon it. I want you to look at another scripture in Luke chapter 5. This, to me, is one of my favorite accounts that I love to to think about and talk about. Jesus is uh, preaching to the multitudes by the Sea of Galilee, and there's so many people that he actually gets on Peter's boat and said, just push it out just a little bit from the shore, and he's preaching to the multitudes on the shore, okay? And now when he left speaking, Luke 5, 4, when he left speaking, he said unto Simon, that's Peter, launch out of the deep and let down your net for a draught. That's an old English word for a drag. You know, they're using the, the big nets. They're not using a rod and reel. Let down your net for like a, a drag thing. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. That to me is so important. Here's the, the circumstances. We've been fishing all night and caught nothing. Jesus said, let down your net. Now you have a choice to make, and so do I. I could sit there and say, we fished all night, hadn't taken anything, therefore I know it's a waste of time, therefore I'm not going to do it. Or you're going to say, we fished all night, didn't take anything, but Jesus said to do it, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to just take him at his word. Do this with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Do this with any promise of the Lord. Like the little girl, I don't feel like six. Well, it didn't really matter, did it? She was seven. Her mama told her she was seven. And so we just reckon it as being so. We reckon it by faith. Amen? And I'll move on to this next one real quickly. We're not going to be long on it, but we have to be the second, the first uh, condition that has to be met I'm saying, well, it's salvation. Okay, the next thing we've talked about tonight was we have to be empty vessels. And the next thing we're talking about, just quickly, we must be obedient. And to me, that goes along with Peter letting down his net. That goes uh, with Elijah, and we see it in his life. Go to the brook Cherith. Go speak to Ahab. Go to Zarephath. And what do we see? And he went and did as, according to the word of the Lord. And, he, and Elijah went and did according to the word of the Lord. It's at least four times it's mentioned. Elijah did according to the word of the Lord. And how many times has God spoken to us and we've, we've debated it inwardly in our minds, in our conscience, or in our hearts, whatever, we've debated it back and forth. The Lord has spoken to us, and then we're going to decide if we're going to do it or not. We need to be quick to obey the Lord. We need to be quick to obey and we need to be complete in our obedience. As I said, part, I've said before, partial obedience is not obedience. We need to be quick to obey the Lord, and we need to be complete in our obedience to the Lord, what He calls us to do. He's never going to call us to do more than what He has equipped us and, and has and will enable us to do. Never. That will never happen. He won't call you to do something that's genuinely a call of the Lord and, and not enable you to do it. He's always going to be there. He's always going to be working uh, for us and through us. I want to look at a couple of verses in John, and we're going to bring this uh, to a close in just a few minutes. John 14. 
you know, it's, it's a shame. It seems like in our day that verses like this, they're straight from the Bible. They're straight from the words of the Lord that you just don't hear this preached. You don't hear it taught in Christian circles as it should be. I'm not saying it's the only thing that should be taught, but it should be taught. Obedience to the Lord. Amen. Look at John 14, 15. Now this is, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, but he says in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, I bet if I ask every person here, do you love the Lord? You're going to say yes. You do. Hallelujah. You love the Lord. That includes you and me then. If you love, if you love me, keep my commandments. And we have to go to his word to find out what those are. We need to be uh, attentive to the, the Lord so we hear the voice of our good shepherd when he speaks to us. Because you may not find a specific scripture if he says, go hand this track to somebody in Walmart. There's not a scripture that says that. There is a scripture that we're to go into the world. Amen. But at that moment, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. and We need to be obedient to the Lord. John 15, verse 14. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. John 15, 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Instant obedience. I'm not saying that any of us is perfected in this, but we do see it with Elijah. That the few times that we read God calling him to do something, we see him obeying. We, say, we see Abraham actually offering up his son Isaac. We see uh, Peter letting down the net for a catch at, at the word of the Lord. And, and that is, that's the person that's going to be filled. That's the person that's going to be used. That's the person that's going to... Uh, honor the Lord with their lives. That's the person that's going to get to see great and wonderful things and be part, partaker. You know, I pray for revival all the time in our country, and I pray that I would be part of it. Somehow, whether it's a little part, big part, I want to be part of it. I don't want to be a spectator watching revival in Baton Rouge or reading about it. So I live in this day and in this city and this age and this country. If there's revival, I want to be part of it. And I also pray, Lord, you said in your word that, uh, that you will confirm the word or the gospel with signs following, signs and wonders. And I say, Lord, I don't just want to see that. I want to be part of that. I do want to see it, but I don't want to just see it. I want to be part of it. I want to lay my hands on the sick and they recover. I want to raise the dead. If that's what God calls me to do, to glorify the Lord, he does that. He uses vessels like we are. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I want to be part of it. I'm not a spectator. I'm not reading it in chronicles of church history. I'm living in this day and age. If there's revival, I want to be part of it. I want it to glorify God. I want it to be true Holy Ghost revival with people getting saved and signs and wonders following. Guess signs and wonders following your lives and your children's lives at school. There's no reason that that can't be. Amen? But we have to be quick to obey the Lord. So I'm going to bring this to a close. And D, you can come up. We have to be quick to obey the Lord and, and complete in our obedience to the Lord. And by doing that, and y'all, it's not just on the big things. Like, like Abraham Get up from your family and move to this land that I'm going to show you of. That's a huge thing, right? 
Sometimes it's easier to obey the Lord in the really big things. Sometimes, though, we need, we need to be obedient in all things. Some little thing like handing the track to the clerk at the Walmart, okay? We need to be quick to obey the Lord in everything. Because the Lord is not a big thing or a little thing. It's just obedience, right? Well, I'll obey the Lord in this really big thing, but I didn't feel like getting up 10 minutes earlier to pray today. I disobey the Lord in that. To the Lord, it's a, it's a question of lordship. Lordship is a question of obedience. And so uh, we need to be quick to obey the Lord. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword. Now, that's a promise to Israel. Okay, I understand that. But you do see that, that obedience is a condition upon eating the good of the land. And so we, we have to be quick to obey the Lord. By our disobedience, y'all, even in small things, we are, we are almost like taking ourselves out of the running of, of how God wants to use us. We're, 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 bringing, uh, we're bringing a heartache to our own lives. We're going we're gonna to hinder him or stop the Lord from blessing us further. Those, those obedience where we obey or disobey, are tests. They're tests. It was a test for Peter. God could do whatever he wanted. You know the rest of that story. He let down his net, and he tried to pull it up, and there were so many fish in it, he had to call his, his partners to come help him. There were so many fish in the net that when they got him on the boat, the boat started to sink. God can do that anytime he wants. The question is, will we obey him? He filled the nets. He wants to fill us with his spirit. We need to be empty vessels, and we need to be quick to obey the Lord. Amen? And so that, that exact obedience that we see in Elijah's life, that is the cause and the reason that he would, a few days or sometime after what we're reading now, stand on Mount Carmel and count, call down fire from heaven. It's obedience to the Lord. Amen? By the power of his spirit. He wants to use us today. I firmly believe God desires to bring revival in our day. I say it all the time. I can't find a scripture that would say right before the rapture, for example, there's going to be a huge end times harvest. I don't see that. But just knowing the heart of the Lord, the reason that he's tarrying of all the end times events is because he's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. The Bible says, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of Christ. And I also say, I almost feel, and I'm not the Lord, of course, but he, why would we still be here functioning as a church if he didn't have something for the church still to do in this hour? And I know we're doing something for the Lord in this hour. I understand that. But anyway, I'm praying for revival, and I believe it's going to be one that it would be true and genuine, that has to be through weak earthen vessels like you and me who are endued with power from on high, that Christ is glorified and nobody's taking the credit for it, and Jesus is able to move freely. And those rivers of life can flow through us. Amen. So, Father, we just come before you.